a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life this morning. As you know, each week I have a conversation with a visionary person, somebody whose life, work, and perspective will inspire you, the listener, and give you some ideas about how you might want to move forward with your own extraordinary life. Today, I'm truly honored to have Dr. Lucia Capacchioni as my guest. Lucia is the best-selling author of 15 books, including Visioning, 10 Steps to Designing the Life of Your Dreams. She is widely acclaimed for her ability to help people tap into their inner wisdom and creativity in order to see and create the lives they really want. Lucia has spent 10 years as a Disney Imagineer. Her methods are now being used in education, medicine, the arts, the entertainment industry, and business, um, schools, many other settings. I think she offers us a rare how-to perspective on visioning and manifesting that vision. And I'm hoping that today you'll learn a great deal about how to create your own vision so that you can return to this show once it turns into a podcast for future reference and you can keep on creating those visions. So, Lucia, it's a pleasure to, and an honor to have you here with me today. Welcome. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I think of you as a creativity guru, somebody who helps people to, you know, heal and connect with their own inner wisdom and gifts through, through creativity. I've read your books, and I know that that's very much um, the, the theme is really about helping people really connect within. Um, you're a best-selling writer. Um, you began as a Montessori educator. I mentioned Disney already. Um, and you've also been really a pioneer I know, Lucia, in terms of um, creative method, including helping people understand the power of writing and drawing with a non-dominant hand. So your story, to me, is a fascinating one, and I'd love to invite you to just introduce yourself and give us a, a, a feel for who you are and, and how, you, how you came to do what you do. Well, actually, I started as an artist. I have a degree in uh, fine arts um, from Immaculate Heart College. I studied with an extremely inspiring individual who's uh, since passed away. Her name was Sister Mary Corita at the time. And uh, after she left the convent, uh, she used the name Corita. And she is best known for the love stamp that she designed. Um, was probably one of the first love stamps that was published by the U.S. Post Office. And um, it's the stamp that says love and has a rainbow of uh, painted colors above it. And um, she really inspired me uh, to work with people. I went to uh, school thinking I was going to be an artist and designer, and that's what I did for the first few years. But she always used to say, you're really good with people. Um, and I used to get upset with her because I thought she wanted me to go into teaching, and that was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> Um, but she saw that talent in me, and I've never forgotten that. You know, even though I didn't want to hear it at the time, I, uh, it turns out she was right. So what I have done with my life is really combine the uh, talent for art and um, for music and other arts that I've engaged in with uh, a gift that I was given for working with people. And I think the people work really developed when um, my children were little, and I became very inspired by the Montessori method. Mm -hmm. So Montessori was another guru of mine, even though she had passed away by that time. 
and I studied her work and became a Montessori teacher, and then I became one of the first Head Start directors in Los Angeles in the 60s. And uh, so combining those two careers... Uh, of uh, being an artist and designer and then um, child development expert, I went into the field of art therapy, which happened as a result of a personal crisis, which I think is probably important for your audience to hear because mm-hmm. I didn't come into art therapy with any kind of um, you know, preordained uh, intention when I was an artist or child development person. I sort of backed into it by accident, so to speak. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, say more about that if you if you if you would. Well, I was um, I became very ill about three years after my divorce, and um, the doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. They gave me a lot of different medications. Their diagnoses were not correct, as it turned out, and I had side effects to the medication and became quite ill to the point where I was really debilitated. And while I was sitting in the sickbed, I started reading Anais Nin's diary. So I would say she's like my third really inspirational guru. She was still alive Mm -hmm. at the time and living in Southern California where I was. And she um, really led me in the direction of um, keeping a journal, personal journal. And I was also reading um, a book about Carl Jung called Man and His Symbols, and I saw all of the artwork that he did with his clients and that he did himself in his own journal. And that inspired me to keep a journal with art and writing. And that is really what led me to everything else in my work now. I'd say that was the foundation. And that healed me. Within three months of journaling and some therapy, um, my health condition completely turned around without medication, and I was able to heal myself and start a new life. Wow, what a what a revelation that must have been. I think that um it sounds like having had that experience you s- a door opened. You saw something new. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. I what I really got in touch with was why I was put on the planet, you know. Um the other careers had just been stepping stones to my life's work, which has been working with people as a personal coach, as a teacher, as a therapist and now as a professional trainer. And I train professionals in all areas of work to apply expressive arts to their work. And, you know, everybody from teachers to therapists to um, we have cancer support group facilitators that we train, uh, corporate talent development coordinators, uh, just all kinds of people are applying these methods now, and it's very gratifying for me to see it spread in so many directions and so many countries because we have practitioners all over the world now. So it's a wonderful feeling. How do, how do you account for that? I mean, you, you discovered this, you began to do it, uh, certainly you wrote about it. Um, why is it catching on? Well, it's interesting. I've watched it catch on because I've been doing visioning since the 70s. Um, being a designer... When I went into the field of art therapy, I um, started to apply my knowledge of the design process to my clients' lives because although I had been the... I actually developed inner child work in the 70s with my clients. I was Mm -hmm. probably the first one to originate a very methodical program of therapy using inner child work. 
And once I got these people functioning and uh, into a semblance of happiness and peace within, I realized that that wasn't enough, that they had to move on to a life that was going to be really fulfilling, and they had to find their true gifts, whatever those were. And I started doing collage work with them because that was a medium I'd worked with all my adult life. And I noticed the incredible results of using magazine photo collages, which taps into the unconscious, sort of like having a dream on paper, to really find where their heart's desire was. And once they did that, and once I started working with the blocks, which I'd been working with in the inner child work, using the non-dominant hand and getting them in touch with their inner critic and all their self-doubt, and moving them through the blocks, uh, the sky was the limit. And I saw amazing results. And so I just kept doing that with my clients once they were healed enough to really ask that question, what is my true heart's desire in life? And um, then I developed it into a workshop eventually. And uh, that's what really told me that I was on to something. Now, that was in the 70s. And I think what has happened more recently is um, books like The Secret and films like The Secret have popularized this, but I've been doing this for years. So it's just kind of the market has really caught up. People are ready for it. And um, I have a saying, if you live long enough as an innovator, you will see your innovations catch on. But you've got to have patience because, um, (laughs) you know, it doesn't happen overnight and the, the market, the people have to be ready for it. You know, I know exactly what you mean. And and as you're talking about that, um, you know, that process, I I love how you described doing that inner child work and helping people find that peace within and then realizing that's not enough. You know, there needs to be somewhere to go with this new feeling or this new new understanding of, you know, a way of being. And I use visioning in my work as well. I use it with leaders. I use it in organizations. I use it with individuals. And I, I think that so often what I see is so much attention to um, you know, our mission and our strategy, you know, what's, what's our purpose and how are we going to get it done? You know, what's off, so often missing in organizational life actually is a picture of a desirable future that we understand and, and can, can allow to create, you know, so I, I've, I'm kind of interested to hear you say that people have do this, done this healing work and then, and then what, you know, and I, and I think vision really does fill the void between suddenly understanding what, what you're there to do in right. life and, right. and, and actually moving into getting it done. And that process also works in corporations. As you mentioned earlier, um, I was a part-time Imagineer for 10 years at Walt Disney Imagineering, and that's the mm-hmm. division of the Disney company that designs and builds all the theme parks. And they were the ones that uh, created the Disney stores. And, in fact, the Disney stores happened in one of my workshops, that idea. Um, And what I did with the Disney company, I went there in 1983 when the company, the Imagineering Division, was at rock bottom. In Mm -hmm. fact, um, the company was being threatened with a hostile takeover at that time, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened was that uh, they rallied their forces and they held on to the company but um, things were pretty rocky, and Imagineering had been cut back from, oh, 2,800 people to something like uh, 385. 
Mm-hmm. So they used to describe it as a bloodbath. And I was there for the outplacement work. I was an outplacement consultant for them first as an outsider with a company that had been contracted for that. So we were preparing employees for work. These are employees who had been uh, laid off after Epcot and um, Disney World editions had been completed, and there was no work for them. So uh, this is like an individual having a breakdown, but this is a company having a breakdown, okay? The metaphor is, I think, very apt. And what I did with them was a lot of inner child work. I was uh, brought in to work with individuals and with groups and build their morale up and get them problem-solving again and get them believing that the company was going to continue, uh, the survivors of that um, of that layoff. And um, I did visioning with them as well, and the results were phenomenal. And I really saw the morale build. And I believe that creating um, the mission statement with collages is the way to go. And that's mm-hmm. the way they created Disney uh, Parks. They would have uh, design charrettes in large rooms with uh, walls covered with white paper, and everybody would come up with ideas, and they would put words and sketches and pictures on those walls that seemed very random and chaotic. And then out of that, they would draw their mission statement for a particular theme park attraction. Mm -hmm. So that is the process that we're using in visioning. And it was an honor to be there because as a designer, I had never consciously examined the steps I was using for design in that way. But at Disney, I was able to sit back and watch this process as an outsider, so to speak, and see what they were doing and say, yeah, that's what I did as a designer, and what are these steps that they're using? And that's what I integrated into the visioning book, why the... Subtitle is 10 Steps to Designing the Life of Your Dreams. It is 10 Steps. Yes, yes. It is 10 Steps. I have followed those 10 Steps, and I'm really hoping that um, today we're going to be able to talk about those 10 Steps for the people who are listening. And it's very helpful to connect that with your experience at Disney and, and that time of being an Imagineer. It was a long time ago, but um, it sounds kind of foundational to who you have become. Mm-hmm. actually, yeah. right now. Um, Lucia, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, I'd love to just jump right in and talk about visioning and, and what you know about it. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. 
Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Thank you for being with me this hour. I'm talking with Dr. Lucia Capacchioni, whose work I have followed for many years. I used Lucia's 10-step visioning process myself about six years ago and created a vision collage that really worked. It took me five years from visioning to fully manifesting that vision, but I can vouch for Lucia's process and the wisdom it contains. So, Lucia, let's actually talk about your visioning process. And during the break, we were talking a little bit about... um, the challenge so many people have when they have multiple interests, multiple talents, and they can't quite figure out what's my path, what's my purpose. And, you know, tell us what you recommend. Well, um, I always tell them that they need to listen to their heart's desire. That's the first step. Because, especially for multi-talented people, they can get frozen in paralysis and do nothing if they've got too many options. And so... Um, I always tell them, yes, you've got several talents, but what is your heart calling you to do right now? And you're going to find that out by, first of all, doing a collage. You're not going to do it in your left brain because the left brain is not very good at that. The left brain is really good at follow-through and supporting creative ideas. It is not good at getting creative ideas. In fact, it doesn't get them. That comes through right brain intuitive, creative, and emotional processes. And the right brain is where we think in pictures and poetry and nonlinear thought. And so we need to use techniques that will take us to the right brain and get us into our true heart's desire. And so that's the first step of visioning is making a collage after we find out what our heart's desire is and and putting a focus phrase on it. And in essence, we're using both sides of the brain because the heart's desire comes through um, a silent meditation of just going deeply inside and asking yourself, if I removed all blocks and all objections, what would my true heart's desire be at this particular time? And it can be as general as a question if we don't know what our heart's desire is after we sit and, and meditate on it for a while. We can use the, the focus phrase, what is my true heart's desire, as the key for the collage. And the great thing is, when we start going through magazines, our heart's desire will start to show. Because that's what will drive the choices that we make as we go through the magazines. Pictures and words and captions and that sort of thing. So this, this process question. of imaging is really key here. 
Great. Now, as you're as you're talking about this, you know that there's a kind of paring down or or getting to the core that you create with that question. What does my what is my true heart's desire right now? You know, and that right now to me seems to be kind of key because it instead of sort of wishful thinking about everything possible in life, it's the right now that kind of brings it into the present moment and right. invites people to um, use today as kind of a starting point. Um, for thinking about what they really, really desire. And I like what you said, too, about when you go to begin to the collage process and start to think about those images, you're naturally going to pull the things that speak to you at the it's level of the heart. It's very much like a window shopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, when you're window shopping and you're not uh, thinking about, you know, actually buying, you can just go and look at things and go, oh, I really like that. Yeah, oh, that bracelet costs $500. Well, I'm not going to buy it, but I really like it. <laughs> Yeah, And uh, so we know what we like. That's the inner child, by the way. And that's why when I did inner child work with clients and then I got them into visioning, they were ready for this. Because children know what they like. They don't have any question about it. They like this toy. They don't like that thing to eat. They want to wear this. You know, they like that friend. Um, and they don't, they don't sit around in a lot of uh, quandaries about what they like and don't like. Because they're being natural. They're coming from their impulses and from their heart. And um, so that's what we have to get back to is that place. Now, I do want to say here, when we ask that question, what is my heart's desire today, it doesn't mean that it's going to manifest right away. Um, so I'm going to give you an example from my own wishes because I like to flesh things out with concrete examples. Mm-hmm. I did a collage in 1992 um, of um, houses. And my asked my heart's desire at the time was, what do I want, what does my soul really want for me in this coming year? That was my, my focus phrase. That's pretty general, isn't it? It's a big umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I just started doing the collage. And the only things that I really wanted to pick out of those magazines were pictures of houses and art studios and beautiful coastlines. Uh, in California, and I, so I kept getting the pictures out of the magazines and having a lot of inner objections because my inner critic jumped in right away and said, why are you doing this? Um, you can't move to that place that you go to vacation at in Cambria, California, which is where I live now. Um, you can't do that now. Your father's dying of cancer and you're working at Disney and... Um, blah, 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 and it was giving me all these reasons why I shouldn't be making this collage. Hmm. And I, I say this because the minute you ask your true heart's desire, your objections are going to come up and inner doubts. And, uh-huh. and you can't afford a house there, and you get blah, 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 and went on and on. <laughs> but you see, because I've done this inner child work and I've taught people and myself how to answer back to that critic, I knew what that voice was about, and I didn't let it paralyze me because it would have gotten me to pick out other pictures if I'd listened to it. So, you know, you've said a few things that are, again, I just want to help people really follow where you're going. You talked about, first of all, a focus statement, and the idea is that we create a focus statement before we make a collage that represents, you know, the images or the symbols, the words that reflect our, what our heart desires. And mm-hmm. with the focus statement, give, can you give us some, some examples of focus statements that 
could be used. I love your example of um, this house vision that you created, and and um, I want I want to I want to just pause for a moment. And can you just tell us a little bit more about the focus statement? Yeah, focus phrases can range anywhere, and I've seen a huge range, anywhere from um, a new house or a new apartment because somebody has to move. Um, a new job in X industry, whatever it is, um, travel to Europe, um, vacation, my next vacation, I've seen mm-hmm. that as a focus phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in other words, what's my house desire about where I really want to go. Um, mm-hmm. And I've seen focus phrases as general as mine. Um, mm-hmm. what, do, what am I going to manifest or what does my heart really want for the next year? Mm-hmm. Or what is my true heart's desire? I've seen people actually put that as their focus phrase. Mm-hmm. In, in the work that I do, I use words. I connect it to leadership and might say, you know, what is my vision of me as a leader? Or what kind of a leader do I want to bring? Exactly. You yeah. know, those kinds of things. You could also do something about work life, you know, looking at the kind of balance of professional and personal life that you might envision yourself having. So, great. I think those are great examples. And sometimes so, in companies, people's focus phrase will have to do with new products. And I've seen people actually develop new products doing visioning. Yes, or, I have or too. Or a new, we need a new slogan. <laughs> we need yeah. a new um, ad copy. And I've actually yeah. seen people cut up phrases from magazines and create new slogans and new logos and all of that. So it's got immense and unlimited application in any realm of life. That's what's so exciting about it to me. It is. You know, you can envision your marriage. You can envision your vacation, as you said. You can envision. And, and you know, the focus, um, I'm calling it a focus statement. I'm thinking maybe a focus phrase is an important step. So it's for those of you important. listening, right. you know, we tend to kind of want to jump right in. Mm-hmm. But it's really key to have this um, this this choice right at the beginning about well, what it is you want to vision about. You literally focused because one of the problems I've seen having led hundreds of workshops is people start going through magazines and they get off off focus. They start yes. looking at pictures of clothes and all these other things <laughs> just the way you do when you're browsing through a magazine and they forget what they're doing. Yes. And so I keep saying to them the focus phrase is the hook. Every image that you pick out needs to be an illustration of that focus phrase. Every phrase that you pick out needs to relate to that focus phrase. Beautiful. And so that's really you like that's okay. Put them in another file, but that doesn't mean they're going to go in this collage because if they don't relate to the focus phrase, they're out. So I use the the term, and and this brings us to the next um, step, the next two steps. The next step in any design process is research. Okay, when I worked at Mattel, for instance, as a toy designer. Um, the first thing I did once they told me that we were doing preschool educational toys of a certain type, let's say we're going to teach uh, time, uh, and I designed the talking clock for Mattel this way, I went out to educational stores and toy stores, and I looked at every product on the market that taught time to children to see if there was anything. And there were only like two things, you know, cardboard thing that had hands that moved around. So that told me what the marketplace looked like. And then I went back and I designed our talking clock with our unique Mattel technology. (laughs) Okay, but I looked at everything on the market first. I scoured all these stores. So what we're doing here is we're researching in magazines. The research phase in visioning is going through all the magazines and finding images of people doing what you want to do, places that you want to go, 
states of mind that you want to achieve, and this is really critical, and I really want to make a point of this. Envisioning, we are not making pictures of just things. This is not about amassing material things. This is about picturing the state of being that you want to experience because that's all that anybody ever wants. They don't want the thing. And if you want the thing and you get hung up on the thing, then you really end up with misery because the thing itself is not going to do it. What you're looking for is a state of being, and that's what you want to focus on. And so as you're illustrating that state of being, you're internalizing the feelings of what it is you want to accomplish. And if you don't get clear on that, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. That's why I used to get people in Los Angeles for therapy who were very wealthy. They had amassed all these things, and they were miserable. They were physically sick, and they were emotionally a mess, and their relationships were horrible. Why? Because they, were, they thought those things were going to make them happy, and it didn't. And so we want to be really clear here that that's what we're going for is a state of being. So we go through research. We illustrate the state of being that we want from the focus phrase. And when we're doing that research, then we have to move to the grab what grabs you phase where we're just picking out things that illustrate the focus phrase. And then we have to sift and sort. And we've got to get rid of stuff because you can only get so many pictures on that 18 by 24 inch piece of paper or, you know, poster board or whatever you're working with. And that's the place where you have to get selective and you have to edit out. And you just pick your very favorite images, the things that really, really illustrate that focus phrase. I and found that very the, hard to do yeah. when I was doing this. Oh, yeah. That's the hardest mm-hmm. part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, but yet, you know what? I loved your idea about taking the things that you still love, but maybe don't fit the focus phrase as well as something else, and putting them into another folder so that you don't have to throw them away. You can keep them for something else, but you um, begin to really have have a resource. You, in other words, you're you're giving yourself the space to hold those ideas while choosing that focus again and again. And I think right. that that idea you put forward really helped me. You know, we're going to have to take a break. We're going to come back, and we've already moved through three of the 10 steps um, for those listening. We're going to recap those after the break and keep on going. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Is marketing making us ill? And if it is, how can we heal humanity and the planet by changing the way we sell? This is Lynn Serafin inviting you to join me and a great lineup of thought leaders in business, media, and marketing on The Seven Graces of Marketing, Mondays at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. So let the dialogue begin. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate. My guest today is Dr. Lucia Capaccioni. She's an internationally known author, art therapist, corporate consultant, and creativity guru. She's recognized for her groundbreaking work about the healing power of writing and drawing with your non-dominant hand, as well as her powerful 10-step visioning process, and we are exploring that process right now. We've actually covered the first three steps. The first is to choose a focus phrase. The next one is to begin searching for images and words um, that really grab you. I think that Lucia was saying, grab what grabs you um, and dream. Sky's the limit. And then begin to really focus. You know, does, what, Of all the things that, that you've grabbed, which ones really support the theme that you've chosen, um, the focus statement that you've chosen. So here we are. We're sort of at step three, Lucia. Um, tell us what comes next. Well, after they have um, selected the images that they're going to actually put into the collage, then they compose the design, and uh, they start uh, trimming and cutting and cropping and um, figuring out how they can overlay a small picture inside of a large and get more bang for their buck in that Mm -hmm. space that they're working with. So they're laying everything out, but they're not gluing anything down yet because we still have another step ahead where we're going to deal with the inner critic that um, puts a lot of doubt in our mind and criticizes us and tells us we can't have this, etc. So um, at this stage, we're just laying everything out and um, placing it on the, the board. And um, in a group process, this is really fun because a lot of times people will get their pictures out, and then they'll realize that there are two or three pictures they'd really like to have. Like, let's say somebody wants to start playing the piano again and would like a picture of a piano. So at this point, I say to them, just call out what it is you're looking for. And um, I would say 100% of the time, somebody else in the room finds what they have or they had it and they're going to discard it or they know where it is, they saw it in a magazine, and they'll go back and find it for the friend, and they'll hand it to them. And so it gives them this experience of, of support from other people for their dream, which is really a great thing to have in a group. And uh, there's something I teach nice. later on in the later steps. So then once they get all of their images laid out and their phrases from the magazines, um, then I have them stop and I say, okay, now I'm going to teach you the key step that makes visioning unique. Of all the other methods out there about visualization and um, collage work and all of that, this is the absolutely unique element here, and this is my method of dealing with the inner critic using both hands. Mm. And I have them sit back and look at their pictures and their phrases from the viewpoint of their inner critic And I have them, if they have a journal or if they don't, I give them paper. And I have them write down with their dominant hand what the critic is saying about this collage. We want to get it out of the unconscious. We want to unmask it. We want to hear exactly what it's saying. And we want to disempower it is what we're doing. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. So they write down, and the critic will say things like I did when I was making my house collage. Well, you can't, you know, you can't move to Cambria now. You've got your father's health care, and you've got this and that and the other thing, and you can't afford a house, and so on and so forth. And um, and then I tell them after you, I give them a, a specific period of time, and I say, you know, I'm going to give you ten minutes to write down all that stuff. And they just write furiously. There's lots that comes out. And then I stop them and I say, okay, now I want you to get a pen in your non-dominant hand. And I want you to bring out your inner brat. And I want you to be just really sassy and confrontive. And I want you to sass back to that critic. (laughs) I just want you to tell it off. And I want this to be very emotional and I want it to be very expressive. And your handwriting is going to be really awkward we're not going to grade you on penmanship. This is your non-dominant hand you don't usually write with, and I want you to just, you know, pull out all the stops and just tell that critic off. And this is the most recharging, energizing, fun part of the workshop. Everybody ends up laughing and giggling and uh, energized. You can just see it. It's like you plug them into the wall. Because when they were writing what the critics said, you can see their faces getting long and glum and their energy drops. Yes. And then when they answer back, the energy just jumps right back up. So it's a very important part of the process. It's essential. Huh. I, I love it. And and so in that process, what's really happening? They're, they're, as you said, they're unmasking the fears, the the resistance, the reservations, and then empowering opposite brain thinking. Exactly. They're getting to the cause of the fear and the self-doubts. The cause are the inner critic, which we all have. It's standard operating equipment for human beings. And it's our um, inner sparring partner, so to speak. It tests us. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn how to stand up to it. And if we don't, it'll just mow us down. And in my uh, book, The Creative Journal, my first book, I actually reprinted a two-page journal exercise that I did, which got me through my first writer's block. I've only had two writer's blocks. When I was writing my first book and when I was writing The Power of Your Other Hand, mm-hmm. I had debilitating writer's block for a short period of time, like three weeks or something like that. And I did this exercise both times. I answered back because the critic was saying, nobody's going to want to read this. This is really trash, and you can't write, and you're not an author, and blah, blah, blah. And I answered back, and I told it off, and I got my energy back. And in the case of the Creator Journal, I wrote the book in three uh, months. After It took me three months to write the, my first book, which is pretty extraordinary. Uh, and it was a finished manuscript, and it needed almost no editing. My editor accepted it as it was. So um, that was pretty amazing. Now that I know what books are all about, <laughs> other yeah. books have taken me longer than that. But to do that, a first book in three weeks, three months, I'm sorry, was it's really amazing. remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for, for people listening, it, 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 I realize because I do this work as well that sometimes um, it feels kind of silly to, <laughs> to be, engage in dialogue with yourself and to do it in the kinds of ways that we're talking about today. Um, and I want to just support what Lucia is talking about that, you know, that when you do this exercise, it is freeing, it is fun, and it's um, strangely, you know, empowering and, and cathartic all at once. It's, it's, it's a necessary piece of clearing the way for a powerful vision. I've so had what ha- lots of uh, participants at workshops say that that exercise was worth the price of admission. Just learning to do that <laughs> and get that critic off their back was, and they've written me letters later and, 
you know, or people who have read my books and done that, they've said this is worth the price of the book. You know, just that one. Just doing that. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, um, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm just thinking that here's where sort of art and creativity, your background in therapy, and then your background as an educator, all converge to create a really great process. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, this is the element that I brought to Disney. You see, they were designers, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have this piece of getting the critic out of the closet and looking at it in the face and saying, wait a minute, you're not going to control my life, (laughs) and you're not going to shoot my dream down. So this is, is really what brings in the therapeutic aspect. So then we move on to step six. Once they've gotten the critic off their back, they have all this energy. And when I'm doing a workshop, we break for lunch here. And then they come back and they glue the images and words down into their collage. They actually create the collage. That's step six. And then um, step uh, six also involves looking at um, getting as much as they can onto that uh, vision board and, um, you know, just getting rid of whatever they can't fit in and, and they figure it's not that important. Then we move on to um, articulating the vision in step seven. And this is another thing that makes my method unique. It is not enough to make vision boards. I really believe that we need to do inner dialogues with the vision board. And what I do is uh, offer a series of exercises to be done in a journal where people actually do dialogues with the images in the, in the collage. They write about it. They do free writing. There are several exercises to do. And um, they get into the state of being that they want to achieve through this collage by dialoguing with the people in the collage and with the places and with the elements there. And um, it's very instructive. And the elements in the collage always write with the non-dominant hand. The dominant hand is their self, their personality self, interviewing these various elements in the collage. And Hmm. then uh, the elements speak. So if the element is a Japanese Zen garden and uh, the person dialogues with it, the Zen garden is going to talk about peace and tranquility and beauty and nature, etc. And artistic uh, expression in nature and so on and so forth. When you say dialogue with it... Right, and when you say dialogue with it, do you, you mean um, ask it a question or yes. say, what is it that you represent to me, you yeah. know, or something, and then write down what comes. Why are you here in my collage? Exactly. What qualities yeah. are you bringing me? What gifts are you giving me? That sort of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. And um, so so you've taken us through these these steps you you know you've assembled your design you've done the writing work of um inner critic and then sassing back that inner critic and then you've glued things on and there it is that to me is the moment of commitment when you put the glue on <laughs> and then you and then you have that dialogue with the images and 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 again a writing and reflective exercise and what's happening as you're doing this blend of um kind of creating through visual imagery and then creating through writing well what you're doing is um realizing that every element in that collage is an aspect or a talent or an ability that you have and you're simply doing an external expression of it and then you're taking it back in you're using those as symbols. Those images are now symbols. They are representing uh, various aspects of the self. And uh, so it's a mirror of an inner life is really what it is. 
That's what we're doing here. And um, so you're really articulating that reality, that this is a mirror of my inner life. So if it's a mirror of my inner life, then it will become externalized in the material world. And that's why we're doing visioning. That's why visioning, to me, is so far superior to visualization. Visualization is wonderful. Uh, we do it all the time. But um, designers don't do visualization. I'll tell you that right now. Designers and architects never sit around just visualizing. The first thing they do is get busy with their hands. They make sketches. They make storyboards. They make models. They make blueprints. They are making it physical right away. They aren't sitting around with this ephemeral image floating around in their mind. That's not the way designers work. We are applying the design process to people's lives. If you want to manifest on the physical level what your heart's desire is, you've got to use your hands right away. You cannot sit around thinking about it. It doesn't work. Powerful point, and we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. My guest today is Dr. Lucia Carpaccioni, and I'm Kate Ebner. This is Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. I'm glad you're with me this hour as I speak with Dr. Lucia Capacchioni. We've been talking about the remarkable work she does through her creative processes 
Uh, Lucia conducts public workshops. She trains professionals internationally through her Creative Journal Expressive Arts Certification Program. Her books have been translated into several languages, and her work has been endorsed by experts in the health field, such as Joan Borisenko, Bernie Siegel, Louise Hay, and many more. Uh, I want to go back. We're making great strides through the 10 steps of the visioning process, um, Lucia, and we were really talking about, um, you know, uh, Reinforcing the dream, I think, is the step that yeah, we were that we were on. Right but now, reinforcing the dream involves um, looking at the collage every day, and um, sometimes people will photograph it, put it as a screensaver on their computer. Uh, they will, um, you know, put it in one of their handheld devices, or they will um, just print it out and make little postcards, put one on the dashboard of the car. Uh, on the uh, mirror in the bathroom, in the kitchen, on the refrigerator, wherever, so that you can keep looking at the image and burn it into your brain. Um, when I found my house, we'll go back to my story about manifesting my dream house, which is where I live now. Uh, I did the collage in August of 1992. I had it hanging in my walk-in closet where I had my clothes and also where I had some business file cabinets. So I was working at home, and I was in that those file cabinets during the day, and of course in the morning and at night I was in there getting dressed and undressed, and I was looking at that collage. Mm-hmm. So now fast forward to February of 1993. I was in Cambria, where I live, working on a uh, book with a co-author, and I decided on a lark to just go out and look at some houses. Now, in the meantime, since having done the collage in August of 92, my father passed away and left me a small inheritance. Uh, so now, uh, the objection that my critic had thrown up in the first place, that you don't have money to buy a house, was gone. I had enough money for a down payment. Uh, my father had passed away, so I didn't need to be in Los Angeles anymore, you know, dealing with his medical care. Uh, my Disney work had just kind of evaporated without anybody planning it. I'd been there for 10 years, and it was just kind of time to move on. And in the meantime, I was getting invitations from all over the world to do workshops. So I did not need to be in L.A. anymore. I needed an airport and a post office box, basically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I could travel and get my mail and whatever. And so now I was free to have that dream come true. And while I was looking at houses, the fifth house I looked at on the day that I went out looking at houses on a lark, was exactly what I had in my collage. So because I had been looking at it for all those nine months, <laughs> uh, yep. interestingly enough, I knew the house the minute I walked in. I recognized the studio with the gothic ceiling um, and the large windows and I, the French doors in the dining room overlooking a pine forest with the ocean in the background, et cetera, et cetera. And it even had the jacuzzi bathtub with the windows behind it that I had in the collage. Slightly oh different, different color. I like mine better than the collage one. But at any rate, I recognized it all. So there were no decisions to make. All the objections were gone from the inner critic, and I had found what I wanted. And I had, as I said to the realtor, when I, once I got into that last room and saw that jacuzzi bathtub, I said, well, I guess I have to buy it. And she kind of laughed, and I, so I bought the house. And there were no qualms about it. It was like, this is it. So um, that's how it works. Now, this took nine months. Others take longer. Uh, some things manifest right away. So I can never tell anybody how long is it going to take to manifest. We don't know. You have to uh, reinforce the dream by looking at the collage every day and doing the journal exercises in the book. 
that's what will further you toward your goal. And then the other thing you're going to need is support, and that's step nine, and I call that embrace the reality. I had to get a loan to get the house, and my um, realtor helped me get the financing. I needed people to help me move, so I had support for that. Um, I had all kinds of support that I needed, and I did exercises that have to do with support system that are uh, in the book. So I uh, really had to uh, do this as a team to bring this about, and uh, that's how oftentimes these dreams come true. Other people are usually involved in supporting your dream in some form or another. So that's step nine. And, of course, step ten is celebrate the dream come true. And I think celebration is very important. Artists and people in the entertainment industry and architects and all these people know about openings, book signings for authors. Uh, everybody in the arts is familiar with celebrating the dream. Uh, Academy Awards. I mean, we're all familiar with that. And at the Academy Awards, they always get up there and they thank their dream team, the people that help them, their agent, their acting coach, their whatever, you know, their family, uh, their director, you know. I grew up in the movie industry, so I watched the Academy Awards every year. And my father was a member of the Academy. He's a film editor. So I know how important it is to thank the people that have helped you and to celebrate that the dream has come true and to pat yourself on the back for going through the whole process and sticking with it. That is not an expendable, dispensable step. Step 10 is essential. Really I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, I, I know you have a great story about a vision that came true, and I'm going to ask you for that in just a moment, um, Lucia. And I want to just quickly run through the 10 steps for those who are listening. Step one, make a wish. That's when you create that focus phrase. Step two, search for images and words. And we talked about grabbing what grabs you. And then Step three is about focusing on the vision, making sure that what you've collected actually speaks to that focus phrase and sorting and being discerning about that, really using that focus um, aspect. And then composing the design where you're beginning to lay things out and look at things in relation to each other, putting it together but not yet gluing it down, um, beginning to really explore um, what is this? what are these images telling me um, and focusing on what your heart really desires, making sure that it really speaking, it really is the mirror of the heart that Lucia was talking about. Um, and I think as we continue on, we begin to explore and find the order that there's that process. Um, step five is explore and find order and creative chaos. Um, and that's really about the inner critic and sassing back. I love that. Um, really looking at the resistance and letting yourself overcome that. Um, then finally, step six, you create that collage. Um, this is the point where you do actually glue it down and continue the writing and the dialoguing with what you're putting onto the onto the paper. And that's step seven, articulating the vision, where you're you're really letting the vision speak to you and letting yourself gain the insight that you have created. Because as Lucia said, it's not about making a collage; it's really about getting to the central. Um, most important uh, heart's desire. And then reinforcing that dream. Um, this is the time when you are um, putting it in front of you. I love all those great ways you told us that we can put our vision in front of us and look at it every day, let it manifest and come to reality. And then step nine, embrace the reality. This is when we make the moves that begin to 
get us going in that direction, recognizing them when they come. And step 10, celebrate the dream come true, is really about um, knowing that the dream has come true and inviting the people who've supported you to be a part of that. So those are the 10 steps. They're so well articulated in Lucia's book. Um, her book is called Visioning, 10 Steps to Designing the Life of Your Dreams. So everything you want to find out, you can from that book. Um, we're going to be giving away a copy of her book to the 10th person who signs up for our email newsletter at nebocompany.com. And to close the show, Lucia, I'd love if we have one minute left, if you could tell us that great story about the football team. Yes, I love this story. Um, Mission uh, is a city in South Texas on the border of Mexico. It's one of the poorest urban districts in the United States in terms of the school system. Uh, 98% Hispanic, tremendous amount of poverty, a lot of high-risk youth, a lot of um, drug problems, um, alcohol, etc. And uh, I had the privilege of working in the district for two years helping train teachers. And my uh, business partner and I, Dr. Marcia Nelson, who um, is the uh, co-founder of our training program, was the one who got us into the district and introduced me to the superintendent and his wife, who both worked there. And um, they had a grant, and uh, the superintendent was training with me and decided to do visioning with their losing football team. And yeah. uh, they... Um, we're losing nine out of ten games, and um, after doing this process of collage, the following year they won nine out of ten games. That's fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> and they were very resistant. These are you know kind of tough Mexican boys, and they were very macho guys, and they thought this was silly girl stuff, and why are we doing it? And the uh, superintendent just pulled rank and said, "You are doing it because I said so." He was in training with us, and he needed to do this for. Um, and know. it worked. Yeah, and it worked. And uh, the uh, coach was in tears when he met me the following year after they'd won, and he said, "You don't know what you did for my boys, and I'm just so grateful." And they took me to the um, the a locker room and showed me where the collage was posted. It was a big mural, actually, and um, they had put them all up. And uh, he said, this is uh, what they've been looking at every day. And he said, it really works. And he was in tears. I mean, I can't tell you how moving this was gonna, for me. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to end with that great story. Thank you so much, um, Lucia, for joining me today. It's just been an honor to have you. And I wish you all a great week. Thank you so much. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.